Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you'd like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. I hope you're excited for a hot topic because this week's podcast is all about God's design for marriage. We're going to be unpacking Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33, one of the most controversial texts in the Bible which is kind of interesting, right? Because marriage shouldn't be all that controversial, but as you probably know, it is in our world today. See, marriage has been instilled into human hearts and human society by our loving creator, God, to stir up human longing and to prepare our hearts for the love of Jesus. Marriage conducted in God's way by his people is a beautiful demonstration of his plan to gather all things under Jesus and make us one in Christ. Among God's people, marriage isn't a battleground. It's a field of victory where sinners can remain united to each other in the service of Jesus. Marriage is designed to be this beautiful object lesson of how Jesus loves the people who believe in him. And so as you look at Ephesians 5 again, there's a lot of controversy, a lot of hot takes out there about this section. Ephesians 5 is really speaking of all the ways our marriages can be blessed and also celebrating the spiritual union of all believers with Jesus to whom we will one day be united in the ultimate marriage made in heaven. Again, I love unpacking difficult parts of scripture and I'm really excited to do that this week with you in our conversation with Jesus. Full disclosure, I have been looking forward to this conversation on Ephesians 5, 21-33 ever since we started walking through this book of the Bible back in April. As a pastor, I live for digging into the deepest and most wrestling-inducing parts of Scripture. Now, this isn't newsworthy to you probably. The Bible, as you know, is a controversial book. Just recently, there was a school district in Utah that banned the Bible from their elementary and middle schools. This is nothing new. The Bible, not just today, but has always been a source of controversy. And there may be no more controversial and shocking section of the Bible to Americans today than these verses from Ephesians 5, especially the phrase, Wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Not to be Captain Obvious, but what do you think people find offensive about these words? Maybe even personally right now, you're feeling a sense of discomfort or awkwardness, maybe even anger. Is the Bible promoting a sort of patriarchy or chauvinism where men are to have their way with women however they want? Is this trampling over women's rights? Does this make women second-class citizens? Or are these verses far more personal for you than just theoretical, sociological questions? I've met so many women who are abused by their husbands or men in general who are supposed to love them, 
and who look at words like these and wrestle with God. Why do these verses, even still today, have such tremendous shock value? The answer is deeper than you might think. Today we'll be talking a lot about the most incredible and deepest human relationship, marriage. But whether you're married, divorced, single, a teen listening to this, a child listening to this, in a family devotional setting with your parents, or just on your own, and we have people across that spectrum who listen to this podcast all over the world, which is just amazing to me. The core of this controversy is deeper than marriage. It's found in the heart of every human being. It's this primary war we're engaged with every day that leads our hearts to flare up at words like submit or self-sacrifice. Now, this flaring up feeling is not novel to our time in history. From the moment this letter was first unscrolled and read to the Christians in Ephesus, it instantly was met with controversy. But it wasn't the controversy you'd expect. I think you'll find this interesting. You know the phrase that set people off back then? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Maybe you're wondering, okay, what could possibly be stunning or shocking about that? I kid you not. These words were as countercultural as you could get in the Roman world. Why? Because of the word Paul uses for love here. The word in Greek is pronounced agapata. It means to love someone self-sacrificially, putting their needs above your own to the point of giving up your very life to protect them. It sounds beautiful, right? But that's not how it sounded in first century AD, especially in the Roman Empire. Wives at that time and in that culture were often considered of lower value than servants in a typical Roman household. And remember, Ephesus is one of the leading cities of the Roman Empire. God, through Paul, is telling husbands who could have sex with just about anyone, it was culturally okay for them, that they need to love their wives self-sacrificially as Jesus loves the church. This is so countercultural. God is telling husbands to put their wives first ahead of their agendas, their ambitions, and their wants. He is calling them to submit their will, deny themselves, following God, and truly love their wives. But there again is that word people today cannot stomach submit. But notice, that's how Paul started this whole discussion on marriage. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 21, if you have a Bible in front of you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That fear or reverence Paul is talking about, it's this indescribable joy and thrill we have because we know God loves us and he died for us and the life we live completely belongs to him. It's in that joyful freedom that we long to submit to each other. Now, the word submit back then, had a word picture behind it. To submit was a military term, meaning to line oneself up under a superior officer. This is telling. Paul is cluing us into the controversial core of this section from the Bible. We are in a war. Not with machine guns, tear gas, or grenades necessarily, but a war on the turf of our hearts each and every day. And we're all in one army, right? With different roles, same army, same war. It is a war that engulfs marriages, separates families, and isolates us. What is this war? 
it's the every second struggle we have with what the Bible calls the self, the sinful nature, or the flesh. As much as people around the world have argued about wives submitting to their husbands, and before that, people argued about husbands self-sacrificially loving their wives, we're dancing around the bush. Here is the real reason behind the war. Satan, the world, and you're my flesh, the sinful nature, the self, wants you and me to see self-sacrifice as self-sabotage. The idea of submitting to someone else's will has long been the most shocking idea in human history. The idea of loving someone to the point of giving up our own interests and desires, let's be honest with ourselves, it angers us. We want our way. That's how we're wired. The Bible has always been controversial because the love we read about, the love of Jesus, is so counter everything we think by nature. The Bible set the standard for what we call basic human rights today. You can look at every law code and, re and religious text throughout history and you'll find it is the Bible alone that tells us about a God who loves each and every person, a God who is willing to die for his creation, who pushed him away, a God who designed marriages and families to reflect the selfless love that he has always shown us and always had for us. But in our sin, selflessness is often seen as self-sabotage. What does that sabotage in this war sound like in our hearts? Let's be honest with each other. Let's be real. Let's be transparent. Tell me if any of these questions or thoughts have ever come up in your mind. Questions or thoughts like, how can I submit to my husband when he never puts any effort into our marriage or our kids? Or how can I put my wife first when it feels like she never respects my decisions? Or if I don't look out for myself, who will? Or if I follow these verses, I lose, I lose myself. I lose who I am. These verses are controversial because they strike at our heart of hearts. The battle raging every day, the quest of the sinful self to promote self-interest. What's really at the center of the advocacy for homosexuality and transgenderism today? It's the same center for the sinful self within you and me. The lie that we should be, the lie that we should be able to dictate meaning for ourselves, create the life that we want, and submit to no one, especially not God. But those of you who are here, those of you who are listening to this podcast online, who once saw life that way as just this never-ending, meaning-finding quest, if you're trying to find that all on your own, you know where it leads. Aloneness, confusion, and isolation. I saw this heartbreaking progression as I got to know an amazing Christian woman. She's a member of our church family, Divine Savior, and for confidentiality, I won't use her real name. Let's call her Serena. Now, the first time I visited Serena at her home, after a few hours of getting to know each other, she told me about her former husband. The gaslighting, the bruises, and the nights she and her kids hid in street alleys. We were talking about what our church believes, and when she asked me about marriage and how I would talk to someone who isn't a member of our church about marriage, in full transparency, I was almost shaking with nervousness. I mean, I knew she was a member of our church, and yet, how would she respond to the submission theme, right? That word, submit, after all she had been through. And I think she could tell I was nervous. 
And she put her hand on mine and she said, I know what the Bible teaches. And I love it. She went on to say this, and I'll never forget it. She said, all I ever wanted and all I believe most women want is a man who will love her like Jesus. This was shocking to me. Her reaction just totally stunned me, but it really shouldn't have. God designed marriage as two equal partners with two equally amazing roles, fighting alongside each other against that battle that rages against us every day. Remember, we're in a battle for our hearts every day, and God purposefully set up an army of two, wife and husband, to fight together, to fight for their children if God so blesses them. And how are we supposed to fight? By rejecting the sinful self trusting with everything we have in the grace of God and letting Jesus conquer for us. How does radical life change happen? It's this complete denial of our will, forgetting self, and loving God and people with everything we have. It happens only because of our God's selfless, undying love for you and for me. You know what's really controversial? Why the God of the universe would choose to become one of us. The most unfair thing that ever happened in human history, the perfect son of God dying for broken sinners like you and me. But his love for you, his love for me, his love for his people motivated him to do just that. That the Lord of all power would choose to love you and me and to consider you so important to him that he counts you as part of his very body. It's, it's so unfair. It's pure grace. Jesus chose you. Yes, he chose you, dear daughter of our Heavenly Father, and longed for you to be radiant without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Dear daughter of God, you are so essential to him that he gave up his life so you can know what real beauty and value are. It's not truly found in your body. It's not found in your mind it's found in your baptism where he washed away your sins when through the word he called you by your name. He sacrificed himself so you could have a new self, an identity that lives for a purpose far greater than even our most virtuous desires. If your story has chapters of trauma or abuse or harm or hurt, your Jesus promises to walk with you as you process and heal by telling you again and again of his love for you that will never let you go. And men who are listening to this, he chose you too. Dear sons of the Heavenly Father, selflessly loving you to the point of submitting to his Father's will to fight the war you and I couldn't win. He submitted in every way, getting spit on, mocked, belittled, disrespected, crucified, and none of this was unmanly. It was masculinity at its finest. So that you would no longer keep chasing the shadows of this life, the shadows of fame and power and influence, wealth, or even of respect, but instead... Jesus has made you new. Through baptism, through faith, he's given you a new name, a new reason to live, a new army of truth to march with. His grace is everything you're looking for and he'll never let you down. He'll never turn his back on you, abandon you, or break your trust. Self-sacrifice is often presented to us as self-sabotage. But as Jesus has demonstrated, it's anything but. 
Self-sacrifice doesn't hold you back. Christ's self-sacrifice will always lift you up. It's his agape love, selfless love that leads you to stop chasing and start living. True life is what the Holy Spirit gives you as you hear your God speak words that may hurt the ears of our society, but by grace, the Bible will always speak the truth. Here is your reality. You are no longer your own. Christ is your life. Because of his sacrifice, because the Son of God gave his life and took it up again for you, the life before you is joy, reverence, and excitement in every arena in your life, from marriage to family to workplace to vacation. You have the most amazing adventure before you. An adventure that can only be given by the self-sacrificing love of Jesus. And part of this adventure for many of us is marriage. And yes, I know people will keep on saying that monogamous marriages are having a sexual connection with only one person and only after making a lifelong commitment to each other, they'll say that's outdated, holding you back, just a piece of paper, or even downright wrong. But this is the true adventure. To walk through life with that one person who doesn't just love you for a night, but by God's grace will fight for you for a lifetime. A husband who will do everything in his power, willing to sacrifice everything, to love his wife, to love his wife so much that she never forgets where her beauty comes from. It comes from her status as a daughter of God. A husband who gives all that he is so that one day he'll get to see his dearest friend at Jesus' side. God's selfless grace leads a wife to respect her husband, build him up, and point him to his commanding officer, Jesus. By faith, she trusts him, leans on him, forgives him. And she gives her husband this respect because she chooses to. Because she knows it will bring tears to her eyes to see him standing with Jesus now and forever. How amazing it is when husbands and wives strive to be Jesus-like for one another. Ephesians 5, 21-33, it's not about a war between men and women. It's about the war the self-sacrificing love of Jesus won for you. Think of the transforming effects our marriages, our families, and yes, our individual lifetime walks with God will have on the people around us. Imagine the look on people's faces. They come to our church and they don't see antagonism between men and women, but genuine compassion and excitement to be with each other, to serve each other, to love each other, to submit to each other, and to have fun together. This amazing adventure is at the core of what every human being has longed for. The dream that is passed down from generation to generation, family to family. What is that dream? It's the best day ever when Jesus takes us home to the wedding feast of the Lamb. These beautiful verses from Revelation chapter 21. Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Self-sacrifice is not self-sabotage. Instead, by faith, it's what your life has long been about. The story of God leaving his home, rescuing his most dearly loved creation, you, and taking you to the home you've longed for where the greatest adventure awaits. Jesus has won the war, and this profound mystery has been revealed to you through faith. So let's submit, and let's lead, and let's love. 
because we know greater hope, living free in the beyond words love of Jesus. Amen. God's richest blessings as you meditate, as you live in that self-sacrificing love of God found in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's blessings as you live for him, knowing that you live with hope in front of you, hope behind you, and hope at your side. Our God is amazing. He has saved us. We love him. God's blessings as you live for him this week and always.